What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. We are joined today by Dr. John Jaquish. Dr. J, as he allowed me to call him at the start of this interview, is the author of the new book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. So is cardio, and there's a better way to have the body you want. Oh, baby. (laughs) God, I love it. He is perhaps best well known as the inventor of the X3. And if I could describe it, if you've never seen it, it's an at-home fitness device, and I think it's also portable. But dare I say, the very concept of this machine flies in the face of traditional weightlifting. So Dr. J is a biomechanical engineer by trade. Uh, His first invention, which is really remarkable, was focused on osteogenic loading. And there's an incredible backstory as to why he built this in the first place. But in short, it's seen wide scale global adoption and praise because it's helped countless individuals suffering from conditions like osteoporosis build back bone density in a way that previously was thought impossible. So he'll describe today how that research and breakthrough actually led to him creating the X3, which uses the concept, and I I really enjoyed talking about this today, and I I think it's so applicable and important, is using variable resistance throughout the entire range of motion to build muscle faster, safer, and more effective. So look, I'm I'm not going to pull any punches here. He he comes with some hot takes, (laughs) and I really enjoyed the conversation. And like I said, much of what he says flies in the face of the status quo, but I think there's a lot to be learned from such an alternative perspective to the norm. And if you're someone out there who's kind of stagnated, you're not seeing improvement, man, sometimes it pays to take a step back, look at things from a different angle and see if there's a better way that you can be, you know, if we're talking about training, more effective. So Fantastic conversation. If you're looking for a way to get better or, you know, look, if you're someone who who really is pressed for time, but you don't want to sacrifice the quality of your workout, man, I'm, I'm pretty interested in this thing. And I even have a good buddy. What's up, Brett, who uses the X3 and swears by it. So uh, I'm excited to hear what people think about this one. I'm sure it's going to have a, a strong reaction <laughs> and it's up to you as to what that reaction looks like. So With that said, if you are enjoying the show, folks, please do leave us a rating or review. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to reach out to the show directly, you can do so at KenGunter.com. There's a contact section there. We would love to hear from you, and I try to write back to everyone who takes the time to do so. So thank you again. And man, this one ended up going a little long today, so let's just cut to the chase here and welcome Dr. Jayquish to the show. Here we go. Dr. J, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I, you know what? I know this is going to be a good one just based on the, uh, the pre-conversation. And I yeah. know it won't be controversial at all in any way. Not at all. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe uh, a, a great place to start is uh, giving a little background um, about yourself, right? Because I think a lot of the folks that we have come on, uh, they're either strength and conditioning coaches or they work mm-hmm. exclusively with elite athletes. Um, but I think you actually bring a different perspective to the table that is uh, worth calling out. I come from the medical device industry. People ask me how long you've been in the fitness industry. And I'm like, I've never been in the fitness industry. Hmm. 
I wouldn't want to be in the industries of fucking embarrassment, but, uh, yeah, like I, it's not where I come from. Like I developed a bone density device, my first invention, yeah. um, uh, to increase bone density and it works better than any drug ever trialed. Uh, and, um, developed that about 13 years ago and brought it to a medical, the medical market and uh yeah. you can find these at osteo strong locations tony robbins is a partner of the business not a bad um, guy to be involved with no no he's a great promoter gets people really excited yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah see i get people really excited but you know everybody knows who tony is that's um, true well yeah, we'll get there it, it's a, he's he's great great guy to work with um but i will tell you like he in person is exactly the same guy who he is on stage He's not playing a character. He is that real guy. So he yeah. actually puts his hands right in your face and he'll like yell something and <laughs> and he'll like ask you a question like, you know, what the hell are you thinking? And he expects an answer. Yeah. Well, OK, you, you know, I, I'll find out if I'm allowed to use this. But my father-in-law just met with Tony Robbins and he, he was over at Tony's house and they were having a business conversation. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> as the story goes, Tony's like, you want to check out the man cave? And they're like, yeah, sure. And he like hits this button, a portal opens. Oh, the slide. Jumps, yes. He yeah. jumps down this slide and just disappears and lets out like this massive, like just, I, I don't know, just, yeah, what's the word? Animalistic Scream. scream. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're just like, what the hell just happened? And I'm just yeah. like, that's and exactly. Bowling alley. And uh, yeah, that, his man cave is like, it's not a cave. It's like a auditorium with like a, a bowling alley and, and coincidentally that's where my medical devices are found ah. uh, that's where the osteostrong devices are in his house and this is in palm beach awesome yeah. yeah well and i was like you know what that's exactly what i want from a tony robbins uh interaction yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i hope for um all right so so getting back to the point so totally understand come from the biomedical industry mm -hmm. um and you create this device uh mm -hmm. and and if i'm gonna use this term correctly is it, what's the type of loading? Osteo? Osteogenic loading. I created Osteogenic loading to describe what it is. That's the name of my first book. Yeah. And, and that's, that's about improving bone density. Correct. Correct. So is that what led you to end up um, kind of discovering what ultimately uh, created the X3? Or kind of like, how did you make the jump from working in the biomedical field to creating this device that, uh, despite your views on the fitness industry, um, has become a, a, a bit of a, a game changer and a bit of a lightning rod? It was the research from the, uh, from the OsteoStrong devices. Hmm. They gave me the idea. Like I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, I have data that shows that people are seven times stronger in the impact ready range of motion. Hmm. Meaning where you, you go to trip and fall, how you protect yourself. Yeah. That range of motion is super powerful. We don't leverage any of that in any type of conventional strength training. Yeah. And so like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, you know, this, uh, this data I'm looking at, I, the more I look at it, the more I realize that weightlifting is a waste of time, which is why I titled the book that. Right. Uh, no, I didn't say resistance training. I said weightlifting. Also, I you know don't mind uh, kicking somebody in the nuts with a message that they're not going to like because just because they're you know believing in convention doesn't mean they're right. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you. I think you also said cardio is a waste of time. In which Cardio's case, I, time too, yeah. I didn't need any uh, documentation. I just wholeheartedly believe that and adopted it. So I was excited about that. Oh, I can give you all the documents. There's more than 100 studies. Yeah. Well, no, and I would. I would love to dive into that as well. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, totally. But yeah. But yeah. So I, you know, I was telling you before we started. I did read your book. I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a couple of uh, specific topics that I just thought were so interesting. Uh, some of which flies in the face, I think, to your point of like the traditional approach to, to training. Uh, some of it, as I read through, I was like, oh, you know what? That aligns with some of the things I've heard some other folks in the industry who I do think are really smart. Uh, it aligns with some of the same concepts that they've kind of been trying to preach and kind of getting mm -hmm. out of this dogma of traditional strength training. Um, you know, so, so maybe a great place to start. Uh, you know, why is weightlifting, as you say, uh, a waste of time? Because we have sevenfold different capacity from the weaker range to the impact range. Mm -hmm. Like once you know that, once you know you can handle far more force in one position versus another, well, then you also know you can exhaust the muscle hmm. to a much greater degree. You know, I called it X3 because there was one study that showed people got three times they gain triple the amount of strength versus the control group yeah. using variable resistance. But the variable resistance in that study was kind of bullshit. It was like mm. X at the bottom and 1.2 X at the top. It's like, no, no, mm. no. It should be like magnitudes greater at the top. Maybe not 7X, but I, I do have some proprietary mathematics going on there where I really identified over some repetitions like what, what this would be. Yeah. And uh, I'm refining that, those mathematics all the time. Uh, but – it's it's that and that's why I had to make special made banding. You know, the latex is very different than a regular latex band. So the power curve is not linear at all. Got it. Uh, and nor should it be. Like it should be nonlinear. Hmm. You know, it should look like this. Uh, can, can, would you mind for people listening, would you mind expanding on um, what is variable resistance? So it's when the resistance changes as you move. Mm -hmm. The reason you want that is because you're stronger in certain positions and you're weaker in certain positions. And if you can adjust for that so that it's the same level of difficulty throughout, yeah, then you're engaging more muscle tissue. I mean, most people, not most people, all people who lift conventional weights, they pick the weight that they can handle in their weakest position, right. which means in the stronger positions, they're not firing very much muscle at all. It's easy. It's like when you mm -hmm. do a push-up, the top is easy. The bottom is hard. Yeah. And in the middle, it's kind of in the middle. So you want a weight that changes so that you are truly engaging the maximum amount of muscle, which means lighter at the bottom, a kind of normal weight, maybe two-thirds of the way in, and then a sky-high weight at the top. So when I do a chest press, right. I hold about 100 pounds at the bottom, which is nothing, mm -hmm. 300 pounds in the middle, which is a lot, and then 550 pounds – at the top, I even have a load cell video, uh, which is putting some ads, but I, I have not made a post out of it yet, hmm. uh, where you see just a massive difference in the amount of force. And as soon as I started training and fatiguing like this, and also I fatigue in diminishing range, that's part of the protocol, where yeah. first you fatigue the stronger part of the movement then the middle part of the movement, and then the bottom part. So the last repetition might only be one inch. But you fatigued the muscle to the point where you just can't move anymore. Like you can't move 
at all, even the hundred pounds at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. So far more profound fatigue. And of course, we know this about all adaptation, mm -hmm. all adaptation. The greater the stimulus, the more intense the stimulus, the greater the change in the body. You know, like a, a very powerful abrasion on the hand creates a callus. But if you mm -hmm. have a light abrasion over a longer period of time, you get a blister. Mm. So like the fact that we do multiple sets with weightlifting is like a crystal clear example of why the stimulus is weak. Because mm. if it were a strong stimulus, we would never need more than one set. How many sets do you do in the sunlight to get a tan? That's a stupid question. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Well, ask, ask my wife. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. Well, and that, that's one of the Just things one I wanted. One response. So is that with, you know, uh, with your like workout protocol, when you're doing the X3, are, are you really doing one rep with, I'm sorry, one I'm sorry, set. one set per like muscle group or per exercise? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I saw, um, and again, speaking to, uh, I can't remember if I said this when we were on the air or not, but a neighbor of mine uses the X3, swears by it, lost a ton of weight, came over, looked like a different person. I was like, what the hell happened to Brett? Uh, what's up, mm -hmm. Brett? And he's like, yeah, he's like, dude, I, I do it all. I do it in my bedroom. I use this one machine. I knock it out. He's like, I have been eating well, so I lost weight. He's like, I'm now eating shitty, so I've lost, I look a little less good, but like, I still feel fantastic and I don't have a need for anything else. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering, how is he accomplishing, you know, getting in such a great workout in such a short amount of time? And it sounds like what you're saying is, if you fully exhaust the muscle and you work it in all parts of the muscle range or the range of motion rather to exhaustion, there's not a need for multiple sets. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Multiple sets will actually set you back. This is an overstimulus. Yeah. Too much damage. More and more in, there's inroads in your recovery ability. Hmm. You don't want to do that. Okay. So when, when we talk about working through range of motion, because this is something that I really enjoyed in your book, Understanding that you're only as strong as you are in your your weakest range of motion, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I love the example that you give of the bench press. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't get the bench off your chest where you're weakest, it doesn't matter how strong you are in the middle and the top, right? Um, and, and what I enjoyed too is, you know, the understanding of, well, if that's true, if if you're weakest at the bottom and you're strong enough to get out of that, once yeah. you get to the middle and top, you're actually not exerting as much force as you probably could. And so that kind of made me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah even your gains on the table, like you, right. don't, you don't, you don't take them with you. Like yeah. it's, it's, um, and I also say like, I, I understand the sport of the bench press. Mm -hmm. So like I, I hang out with the bell brothers every once in a while, uh, yeah. more Chris than Mark, but I'm like, you know, heresy to those guys because they lift weights. Right. They're also riddled with injury. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what's the point? Is it to be as big and as strong as possible? Like, you know, I said, you know, to Chris, like you made a movie called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Mm -hmm. You should have called it Bigger, Stronger, Faster and Injured. <laughs> or, yeah. or we can really get bigger, stronger, faster and feel great. Like I have the full body pain that I did when I was like 18 years old. Hmm. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, every once in a while, you know, my neck isn't as great as I'd like it to be or, you know, some little thing like that, but I have no joint pain whatsoever. 
Yeah. Now, I was lifting for 20 years, but I never lifted heavy enough to screw up joints because I understood what would happen. So I played rugby in undergrad and then I uh, and then I did it uh, for a semi pro team for a couple of years. And, and it was just like as I was lifting, I'm like, I'm just hurting myself here. Like, so I got I got to lower the weight. And then it, you can't get away from heavy if you're trying to grow a muscle like there right. is no escaping heavy. So I know there's all kinds of companies selling products that are like, oh, lift lighter, just slower. Like, yeah, bullshit. That, that's not that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just like, wow, is this as good as it gets? Because I look terrible. And uh, I put on a little bit of body fat. I think when, when I turned 40, I was 190 pounds and 16% body fat. That is far from impressive. I mean, yeah, sure. Like people knew I worked out. But, sure. you know, I wasn't like a fat slob. But, uh, you know, it was like not nothing special. Now where you wanted to be. No, hell no. Not yeah. at all. And yeah. I just thought like, you know, and, and why is it that some people grow and some people don't? Why is it that? And I, I just I was already a research scientist and I developed what I developed, you know, for, for Strong. And then I just I wasn't obsessed with it, but it was always in the back of my mind. Hmm. And then as soon as that research came out, I did it uh, through the University of East London. So I was, I was in London for a while and uh, watching this this research. And the, the MDs, some of the MDs were subjects in the study. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they were like, this is like, what are the forces like in a gym environment? Because most of the people had never worked out before. You know, oh, interesting. They're osteoporotic or osteopenic. Uh, and Got so it. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know actually hard data on this, but I'll find it. And so as soon as I looked up the hard data, most non-athletic people use 1.3 times their body weight through their lower extremities. Hmm. Most strength trained for more than two years, they use 1.53. Now, of course, yeah. you and I know outliers, but outliers don't matter in medicine. Mm-hmm. So... Um, when when looking at that, it was like we're using sevenfold the amount of force with these people who have never exercised before. So there were there were women doing six, seven, eight, nine times their body weight through their hip joints hmm. for this, and then voluntarily creating that force through their hmm. hip joints in the impact ready positions only. Now it makes sense because gymnasts absorb ten times their body weight. And they have the highest bone density of anybody uh, and the highest level of strength. And, I, and I'm looking at this and I'm going, weightlifting doesn't make sense. Hmm. Like we need something that goes from this kind of loading back down because we still need a range of motion. We still need to activate the entire uh, musculature. We still need a sarcoplasmic effect to maximize the blood flow into the muscle. Um, then later on, I, I figured out we can get a massive hypoxic effect also, uh, which is just that adjusts your myostatin levels and changes your uh, genetic ability to hold muscle. Right. So that was a that was a huge discovery. And it works perfectly with X3. You can't do it with a weight because mm-hmm. most of the time you're barely engaged. So it, can it we you're engaged in the position where you're hurting yourself the most. Yeah, and maybe you could maybe you could uh, for people listening, maybe you could define two things. So, and I, and I know you said uh, a, a brief example of impact ready, but can can you give another maybe like 
frame of reference as to like what that looks like, maybe in the upper body, like frame yeah. of like when you say impact, like what that is. Um, you go to trip and fall yeah. and you catch yourself with a 120 degree angle between upper and lower arm and the back of your hand in line with your clavicle. So like yep. this, that's how you catch yourself. So yeah. like I'm, I can absorb force here or I can create force here that is at incredible levels. Yeah. 120 degree angle. And we never lock out. So it's constant tension. We never rest at the bottom. Oh, with you mean with the X3? Yeah. Ah, interesting. I mean, that makes sense. Constant tension, because that's how you create the hypoxic effect. So blood's flowing Mm -hmm. into the muscle, but can't leave. So you're Mm -hmm. spending, you know, your your um, your ATP glycogen and creatine phosphate. Very little, not a lot even gets in when the muscle's constantly contracted. So you use the fuel that's there and you create a massive deficit, but for a period of time, and this is what helped me figure out what the axis of uh, myostatin regulation was. It's the heart. Like no one's ever written that down. I'm like the first guy to like put that, I put that in my book, but there's Hmm. so much evidence like with, uh, with like blood flow restriction tourniquet work. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about you that. You can do that, and when you do that, you'll increase the size of your pecs. Well, you're not constricting any blood that's going to the pecs. How is that possible? Hmm. Then, you know, then the sort of myostatin observation was made, and it's like, okay, like you have to make the human heart blinded to your musculature, whatever you're exercising, and you can't do that with a weight. And the problem with the tourniquet is you get neural inhibition. There's a reason why tourniquet training, you, you know, you use like one-fifth the amount of weight you normally use. So you don't get any of the testosterone receptor site stim- stimulus. Hmm. So like I said, there's no getting away from heavy. Yeah. You got to go heavy. And so, yeah. you know, ultimately what, what, I, what I worked on was a better way to go heavier than you ever could with more reps than you could ever handle. Uh and then, and then a, a greater level of fatigue, and hence you get a hypoxic effect, you get a sarcoplasmic effect, and a myofibril effect from fatiguing the stronger range, which really nobody does. Yeah, so can, you can, get the can, maximum of all three roads to growth. Yeah, and, and can you talk about uh, the benefit of working out um, all ranges of motion? So, like, so let's say we're doing a curl. Right. Uh, and I believe if I'm understanding all this correctly, the weakest point in the range of motion is, is right when you go to, you know, your arms extend and you go to lift that weight. Is that correct? Well, with a curl, you have a lever arm. Mm. And like, like if you, when you're curling something, it's heaviest when that lever arm is at its longest, which is when you're kind of halfway. Ah, so, okay. Right. And it's also when you get to the top, you're actually not using your, your bicep hardly at all because that same lever arm is not really, it's more weighted on the bone. So mm. the weight's going down the radius and ulna and being held in place by the deltoid. Yeah. Nah, don't do like, uh, I mean, this is outside of X3, do a drag curl, you know, pull the okay. bar and let it just rub, you know, like from your torso, you know, all the way down to your sort of belt line. Um, and then you're really engaging the bicep and you're not having the biomechanical inefficiencies. Now with X3, it's better, obviously, uh, you know, if it wasn't better, I wouldn't have designed it. Wouldn't have invented it. Well, but. 
And that's that's something that, uh, you know, like I just worked out this morning after listening to your book, and it made me reconsider the way I was doing all my reps. Um, so okay. as an example, right, do, doing just, you know, because I don't have the X3. Uh, I do like using bands in the gym when I can. And I understand, you you know, you have an opinion on how uh, the eff efficacy of that. But it made me think like, look, when like to your point, when I'm doing a curl, like there becomes a point where, yes, I'm doing the exercise as it's traditionally done. But like, is it actually getting me closer to the adaption that I actually want? Right. To your point, like it's a lever. And at some point, like that weight gets transferred uh, and the biceps not actually working. And I was like, huh. I was like, where else is this showing up in all the places where I work out? Um, which I thought was really interesting. So, so understanding maybe curl isn't the best exercise to think about. Um, the way we traditionally lift weights, right? If, if the most work is being done in the weakest range of motion, mm -hmm. what is the, the actual, this might be a stupid question, but I'll ask it. What is the actual benefit of working the muscle in the stronger ranges of motion? Like, is it, is it working mm -hmm. a different muscle? Is it making the muscle actually contract harder and therefore you get better growth and hormonal response? Like wh what's happening there? The answer was the last thing you said. The growth, ah, okay. The hormonal response. Also from a muscle protein synthesis, Sam, we, we talk about muscle protein synthesis and sports performance all the time, but you know, only mm -hmm. like two thirds of the people can stimulate any of that at all. Right. That was so like the why is reference in my book. Yeah, why, why is that? Because they're not able to get to a level of fatigue that is meaningful in any way to mm. actually grow the muscle. So the best thing they're ever going to do is get sarcoplasmic growth, which is just storing more ATP, glycogen, and creatine phosphate, the fuels. They store more fuel in the cell. Mm. Um, but this is a person who, like, the first two weeks they lift, they gain, like, five pounds of muscle, and then nothing ever happens again, which is mm. – you know, a lot of them, like I, I, I often talk about like people just defend weightlifting like it's their religion, you know, like talking to a vegan. And it's just like, oh, OK, like, right. It's, it's, yeah. Scientologists. it's just crazy shit. Um, and then, you know, an, an unwilling, a willful, a willful ignorance to anything mm -hmm. else that's happening. So um, you know, I say, why are you defending an industry that? You know, I'll, I'll be generous and call it a 99% failure rate. Look at people <laughs> who go to the gym. Yeah. They look like fucking shit. All, almost all of them, whatever. It, it's either 90, depending on how you want to judge it, it's 99% yeah. or 99.9%. You know, yeah. like who's really fit? One out of a thousand people? <laughs> One out of 10,000 people? I mean, why is it that everybody has a, a supplement deal that has visible abs on Instagram? Uh, yeah. like, no, there's a lot of snake oil out there for sure. Yeah, well, I yeah, well but that's not my point. My point is mm. it's fucking rare to get somebody yeah. that looks really impressive. Right. So why defend an industry like that? Also, uh, one out of six males over the age of 18 in the United States have used or are currently using anabolic steroids. How many? One out of six. One out of six. I cited that study in the book. Males over the age of 18? That's right. One out of six has used or is using. Hmm. I mean, I suppose that's, you know, the fat guy who like tried like, you know, a cycle of testosterone and, you know, just ate pizza and like didn't lift. Uh, that includes that guy too. That just sounds so high. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll check out. The, that just sounds really high. That sounds scary, 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 scary high to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll link to, I'll link to everything. So, um, you know, and it's, it's just like, so, 
obviously performance enhancing drugs are not the answer because mm-hmm. er- almost everybody who's using performance enhancing drugs looks like shit too. So what's the real answer? Yeah. Like their training program is ineffective. That's the answer. Right. Like what they're doing well, is obviously not doing anything. Like you can go into a gym and yeah, yeah, I know Venice beach. There's some big guys in there. Uh, other than that one fucking gym and maybe one gym in Ohio, uh, you walk into any other gym and it's just a bunch of guys with baby arms and a double chin. Hmm. That's all there is. Just everyone's just totally fucking average. Like, why are we listening to the same fucking garbage that turned us into nothing over whatever, 10 years of lifting for like the average person ultimately ends up quitting. And uh, you know, I put that on the back cover of the book and a lot of people read it and they're like, dude, you're right. Like I worked out for years and I didn't really see much out of it. And the biggest genetic difference, you know, there's only been one person, one person since the dawn of fucking time who's been banned from professional sports because they had an unnatural level that their body created of, of, uh, of testosterone. One person said that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a woman from, from Africa. That's insane. she had like, I don't know, 2000 nanograms per deciliter normally. And they're like, we can't even let you participate. It's so unfair. <laughs> I, I don't know what she looked like. She probably wasn't pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's only happened once. So the genetic difference between strength athlete or person with a very developed physique versus not. And I'm not talking about human size. There's a factor with human size, like, you know, uh, birth weight is a big driver, how, you know, big you are. But that also means how tall you are. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, like, uh, I don't know what the birth weight of half Thor was, you know, the dude who was in. Um, oh, yeah, I know Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thor is. yeah, yeah. Very strong guy, like strongest man in the world kind of person. I don't know what right. his birth weight was, but I'm guessing it was high. And yeah. I think that's probably a safe bet. Bigger people have a high birth weight. Yeah. But that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about development. So the biggest genetic factor is where your tendons insert and the distance. So like our pectorals attach, you know, on our sternum and like 99% of the population, it's underneath the the beginning of the bicep. And so the action of the pectoral is pulling the humerus towards the midline of the body. Hmm. But some people, and these are the people who turn into strength athletes, these are the these are the outliers, the anomalies. They have a tendon insertion that's further down their humerus, and they have that similar type of geometry throughout their body, and they hmm. engage more musculature when they lift. Interesting. It's very rare, but it happens. Yeah. Now, this is the last chapter of the book where I talk about like what really is the difference and how I, you know, I, that's where I, I uh, cited the steroid study. It's not drugs. Like there's people who are taking drugs, obviously one in six, so thir- like thir- what is that? One in six is 23% of the population is, is has crazy. been or is using anabolic drugs, hmm. but less than 1% are actually fit. So is it the drugs? Is that what right. everybody needs? No, clearly not. There's another yeah. thing. And so this very small percentage of people, and no one really knows like what the prevalence of this tendon mutation is, but hmm. those are the people that end up being strong. Drugs or not, 
They're going to be fucking strong no matter what they do. Right. And so that's really the genetic difference. However, remember what I said about lever arms. How do you defeat a lever arm? How do you, how do you what? How do you defeat a lever arm? Boy, I don't know. Don't put me on the spot, man. Come on. You know, you, you (laughs) use the word variable resistance. Ah, very good. Yes. I did know the answer. Son of a answer. Right. (laughs) So when you place the massive variance on that lever arm, it becomes meaningless. Hmm. And now everybody gets the same workout that the, you know, fittest NFL guy has. And And it doesn't matter anymore. And that's, and that's why the bands that make up the X3 are so critical because to your point, when you were talking about the bench press and okay, maybe it's, it's a hundred pounds at your weakest, 300, the middle 500, or maybe it was more at the top. It's that, it's that band giving the progressive resistance as you kind of move through that range of motion. That's right. That's right. So So, now the genetics of tendon insertion are meaningless for everyone's mm -hmm. on the playing field. Everybody can grow just like, and I love using NFL players. So I work with 15 of them. Okay. uh, And uh, more, more NBA players, but NBA players aren't really seen as strength athletes, even though they are very strong. They're just too tall. They don't look, you know, Jack, they look like tall. So like somebody sees an NFL player is like in great shape. And you know, the ones that are using X3, they're like, yeah, it, it, it takes all the disadvantages out of lifting. Well, and, and, go ahead. And, 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 and that's what I want to ask you, too. Um, you know, one of my big questions was who who is the X3 right for? Right. And, and I know I've seen like Tom Brady uses it. Um, there's, there's a couple other guys who I've seen on your Instagram or just in their own Instagrams, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so that's one of my questions is, you know, is this for the person that's just concerned with general fitness wants to look good? Um, and you already kind of said as much, is there application here for the elite athlete as well? And, and maybe if the answer is yes, like, could you, could you expand on why? Because it does fly in the face of, tradition of, Hey, look, we need to go through, uh, these specific blocks. We need to go hypertrophy, strength, power, speed, and realization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, where does the X3 kind of fit in there? That's a great question. I've never been <laughs> asked that question before. <laughs> it's a first. And, well, also when it comes to, to high performance, to elite athletes, hmm. it's, it's not, it gets a little foggy because the average guy yeah, who's like a lawyer, let's say a lawyer or plumber or whatever, just yep. busy professional. It's like, they want to be lean, look good. They want their wife to, you know, look at them when they take the shirt off and, you know, be excited. Right. Like look good naked, to, man. That's at the end naked, of the day, man. That's what right. I'm trying to do. kids to look at them like they're a superhero. Oh, dude, you right. nailed it. That's it. Yeah. I, I get out of my car and, and you know, like little kids will run up to me and be like, are you Thor? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe. <"Same>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great. It, that feels great. And Absolutely. So that's what most guys want. However, when we're talking about elite athletes, they're not paid to look good. Mm-hmm. They are paid to perform. Yeah. Now. I tell all these guys, and this is how I don't get in fights with the strength coaches. In fact, the Miami Heat endorsed uh, X3 and this book on the back. I don't know. If you, yeah. Do you, do you I, know the book, do you? Or no, you do. Uh, no, but 
I do. Yeah, I, I have the audio book. Okay. That's the oh, only, yeah, I mean, the audio book. It doesn't come with a cover, right? So yeah, yeah. You know, Miami Heat endorsed it because it's like you're keeping our guys injury free, and mm. they're getting stronger. And so, uh, you know, it's a huge win for them. But I'm. This is how I don't like because everyone says to me, "How the hell are you not fighting with these strength coaches?" Because they have strategies and opinions that they've been studying for twenty years. Yeah. They don't change. Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, when you tell them they need to keep doing everything they've been doing with the exception of the heavy weightlifting, and I say heavy weightlifting because they're like, oh, we don't do any heavy weightlifting. And why? Because once you sign your contract with a professional team, they tell you you can't get injured. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you lose your contract. And the strength coaches know that. So getting hurt in the gym is not a thing. Mm-hmm. So I, the idea I read somewhere, some internet clown was talking about how like NFL players do one rep maxes all the time. Absolutely not. Yeah. We're going to go through that risk for what ruining their like $20 million contract so they can claim on Instagram that they bench a lot. Like that's not what they're paid for. Nobody gives a shit what they bench. How many yards? Certainly now. Yeah. The the strength and condition coach isn't going to put their career on the line so that uh, he has the, you know, the, the O-line with the biggest one rep max. Yeah, they're trying to make them stronger, healthier. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I guess, well, and, and you know, using bands um, to create variable resistance isn't new. And I think you even mentioned as much in your book, and I believe you're probably referencing like West Side Barbell, right? Um, the, those those guys. weighted bars all the time. That's well, their, and so that's to, their, like, key thing. Yeah, and so today I was like, you know what? I haven't done this in a while. Let me throw some bands on the bench. Uh, the first thing I had to do was dial the weight way back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was number one. But number two, it was like, man, like it, it, it just progressively gets so much more difficult to get to lock out. And I'm glad that you made that distinction that like, hey, don't lock out. Um, don't come back completely to rest. Keep the muscle under tension because that, that's something that I missed. Um, but yeah, it just it seems like intuitively trying to, even though I don't have the X3, but trying to replicate it with what I have to some extent, it's like, man, like there's a notable, notable difference, uh, going through an exercise in this way. Um, so yeah, just, just curious as to like how maybe those elite athletes were implementing it. Is it just during part of their training, all of their training in season? Um, but also if you don't have an answer right now, that's, you know, not a problem either. No, I do. It's, it's a little different, but what I tell them is the skill type drills you guys do don't ever mm-hmm. change those like x3 is not going to make an nba player shoot a basketball any better it might make him more stable while he shoots so his performance may go up but he's still got to mm-hmm. do the shot drills he's still got to do the foot drills still got to have the agility x3 won't give you any of that stuff so yeah. you have to do that stuff if you're going to be a professional athlete you need because performance is a mixture of raw power and then like whatever the agility is for the training. So somebody who's a professional rower isn't going to do footwork, right? right? Like a, like an NBA player will. So it's, it's very specific and that's very tedious, uh, but that's their job. So it's not a problem. Can we, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well, one yeah. question that I have, and again, this, this made me kind of uh, take a step back and, and think about my own approach. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the importance of tempo? Um, and the role that plays in actually bringing a muscle to exhaustion? Because that, that's something that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, so a lot of people don't like my answer for that. 
Right. But you know, my answers are scientific. It's just I tell these guys, especially the NFL guys, like, oh man, that's hard. You know, I go, look, I'm not, you know, here to like give you the answer you want. Also, this is not my opinion. Like, I'm basing hmm. this on published research. Now, some yeah. of the subjects I talk about, like especially nutrition, have conflicting research. So, you know, right. we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I don't know how much time you have, but I would love to. I, I, if you have to run in ten, we can we can hold off. But I would love to ask no, you a little no, bit no, about. Let's keep going. This is fun. Okay, uh, you got so, it. You got it. Yeah, like the you know, I'm telling them, like, yeah, I mean, I want you to go slow, and I say, think about this: if you're going to draw a straight line on a piece of paper, it's easy to draw a straight line fast. Mm-hmm. Do it slow. It's a lot harder. A lot more musculature has to fire to do it slow and controlled. And the, yeah. the goal is just to exhaust the maximum amount of muscle tissue. If you're going to do that, two seconds up, two seconds down. I mean, if you just want to thrash around with the thing and like, you know, go fast. Like you're not going to stimulate that, that much. There's a lot of momentum involved and, uh, you, you're just not firing the most amount of muscle. So yeah, you can do that. Like I tell people, don't get wrapped up in the reps, get wrapped up in shutting the muscle down. Hmm. Maximum fatigue reps don't mean much. I mean, there are, there are a way of quantifying what you're doing. So the tempo is two seconds up, two seconds down. Some people go three seconds up, three seconds down. Uh, mostly I just put an option in there because people like to mess with stuff. Uh, you know, everybody wants to have their own like take on their exercise program. I fucking hate that. Like you, you ever know somebody who buys like a, like a Harley Davidson motorcycle and they just can't wait to like, take it apart and like put some other shit on it. Yeah. And then you like, yeah, yeah. they work on it for like six months and then you're like, it actually looks worse. Like, you <laughs> up, you ruined it. Right. It's like, yeah, I put it, I put it together. Know, I mean, they've, kinda, they've been building motorcycles a long time. They make them good looking. Just buy it. Right. Don't right, right, right. right. And well, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of this of this company. Uh, I prefer Lamborghini, which is why I drive a Lamborghini. But you know, Ferrari. If you mess with their car, if you like put another exhaust system on or something like that, an aftermarket yeah. thing, they won't touch it. They're like, fuck oh, you, yeah. voided warranty. They won't even even if you want to go in and do like other service. They're like, no, you ruined it. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man. The right I- way. Someone just gave me a great quote, and I'm going to ruin it. But uh, what what was it? it a giraffe is uh, ugh, fuck. What is it? Anyways, a giraffe is like a, a some, when when a, when men try to create a horse or something. It's like they they end up just trying to like they get their hands in it and they're like, oh, well, I actually like the long legs. And you know what? I actually like spots. And and by the end of it, when you've tried to add all these things to something that actually, you know what I mean? There was already a good framework to begin with. It ends up being mm-hmm. a monstrosity. Um, yeah. and drafts are, drafts are great. My kids love drafts. Don't, so, yeah. you know, don't, don't hate on drafts too much, but, uh, well, it, you know, and, and one of the things too, that this has kind of made me think about is, you know, where are all the places in my reps or in my sets or whatever it is, right? Cause I, you know, I, I don't train in this way and I've quite frankly just been introduced to it. Um, but I'm like, man, you know, where am I workout? Am I cheating on a rep? You know, where am I using the momentum and where am I actually just for the sake of completing and, and mentally being like able to do more weight? Am I actually taking away from from the gain that I could be getting by doing it correctly? Um, and so thinking about the focus being taking the muscle to exhaustion 
was like, okay, wow, that's something that, that's interesting. And it kind of got me excited because it's like, man, maybe there's opportunity for more gain that I've been leaving on the table. Absolutely there is. And that's what the NFL players tell me because you yeah. think they're all at their peak by the time they get into the league. And they tell me all the time, I get messages every day, like, wow, like this is actually changing me. And I never mm. thought I could get more powerful than I was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that, but then also, you know, I, I've seen people do drop sets, right? The, the drop set, like, you know, hey, just keep keep pulling weight off the bar and keep going. What what I was really interested in to see your approach of, you know, I don't know exactly the term, but kind of like progressive exhaustion throughout the range of motion. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could you talk about that a little bit? Because I, I think even for people who are really into fitness and strength training, like that's a very alternative approach to, you know, trying mm-hmm. to achieve that end. So when we when the the diminishing range that's yeah that's what, what i call it like ah, okay Thank when you. i'm doing repetitions with chest press and i'm hitting 550 pounds at the top like and then i can't i can't get there then i do the 300 pound repetitions and then the last repetitions are like 100 pounds mm. and i can barely move like i can't even move 100 pounds that's how exhausted i am that's far more exhausted than weights will ever take you how many times a week are you working out? Like say uh, upper body or, or do you do full body when you do it? We do in one session? split. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was like, we could have tossed a coin of upper lower or push, push pull. I think body works a little bit better with push pull. Hmm. Um, but you know, somebody like somebody who's trying to look good for photo shoots, they might do like the muscles they want pronounced on one day and you know sort of like the muscles they don't really that aren't necessarily pronounced like you don't get a pump in your quads mm-hmm. or if you do you look weird you know <laughs> right so you want to pump in your deltoids and in your traps and then your pecs and then your triceps so that that's what's going to make you look like look like the champion yeah, uh, yeah. so um you can you can kind of split it you know, in an aesthetic way, or you can split it in the push pull way, but I just tell everybody do push pull. Yeah. And are, are you, so like if, for push, are you doing push twice a week, three times a week? Like I'm curious. In the rec- so the six days a week and there's two workouts. Mm. So, you know, so three, you hit the muscle three times in a week. Okay. And then um, we have biopsy studies that show that muscle protein synthesis concludes in 36 hours. Hmm. Now, so, okay. Well, yeah, what is the implication of that? Help me help my, my dumb brain. So that means figure out what I do with that information. Okay. No, contrary to popular belief, like muscle damage actually means you grow less, not more. Hmm. Because the protein synthesis has to attenuate the damage. Damage brings you back to where you were when you started. Mm-hmm. Damage is not, it's not like you tear the muscle and it grows back bigger. That's an oversimplification and oversimplification is another word for wrong. Hmm. So, and there's great research that shows the least amount of damage, the maximum amount of growth. So these are all why like we do one set, we go to fatigue, absolute fatigue one time. And then, you know, anything else is damage. Why would you want damage? If you know it's, you're not, it's not going to grow you at all. Interesting. So I yeah, live in the world. Great graphic from a study in there. No, please. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. About, about like when somebody starts working out, they receive a lot of damage in the sore, like when they've never worked out before. Yep. Yeah. 
Like I remember when my pecs were so sore when I was like 14, I first got my gym membership and uh, my dad would just take like three fingers and just, you know, stab me right there. And I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, and he'd laugh uh, because it was so sore. But then, you know, after you live for a couple of weeks, it's like. Yeah, that you don't get that anymore. Well, sorry anymore. Well, OK, your body got used to it. Now, now you're starting. And this is part of the reason why muscle confusion theory has also been disproven. And there's even a position statement uh, with the ACSM. They're like, don't do that. Just stick with the same exact workout you know, month after month, year after year, if you want the maximum amount of growth, because they've tested the two and mixing it up, you know, don't, don't do it. People ask me the stupidest questions online. Like, well, what do I do to mix it up? So it doesn't get boring. I'm like, I don't know. Do you get bored brushing your teeth? You ever use a toilet brush instead just to mix it up just to be fun, <laughs> just to add some spice to your workout. You fucking idiot. No, just do it right. Like, oh, well, <laughs> now you've got me thinking about people brushing their teeth with a oil brush. I don't. I don't have much of a bedside manner. No, I would, huh? I can't. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, <laughs> you're throwing me off here. Well, one of the things that I did <laughs> want to ask you about too is, uh, <sighs> boy, do we want to dive into diet yet? Well, actually, actually, I remember what my question was. Why not? So. You know, I, I, I live in the world of oversimplification, right? And so I did kind of subscribe to this belief, like, yeah, you break the muscle down, it grows back, it heals, grows back stronger, whatever. And you're now- You uh, and everybody making- else. I, I, I was like, I, when I first heard that, I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense because mm. that's an injury. Yeah. It's, you know, like, I'm scientifically, it doesn't make sense. But I didn't, I didn't question it because I didn't, I mean, we don't really cover adaptation in like biomedical engineering- you know, schooling, yeah. medical school. It's like, how many, how many classes, ask any MD, how many classes did you have on adaptation? And they're like, adaptation of what? <laughs> like, you know, like suntan, callus, muscle. Like, right. Oh, uh-huh. like never really went over it. Yeah. Mm, that might be part of the reason why your MD doesn't know anything about exercise science unless he or she is a practitioner of such. Right. Yeah. So, so what is actually happening then? Cause you, you talked about it a little bit. Um, if you, if you can help piece it all back together, I imagine it has to do with the hormonal response and, and what's making the muscle grow then if it's not what we've misunderstood as breaking it down and building it back up. So the heavier you go, especially if you, you're using like a high level of variance, the heavier yeah. you go in those in those impact ready ranges of motion. So yep. when I hit that 550 in my chest press, it's like all the receptor sites in the muscle are just wide open. Like we want mm. testosterone. So it's not a matter of mu- how much testosterone you have. It's how much testosterone is the muscle asking for. Hmm. Like you can't force testosterone into, into a receptor site. The receptor yeah. site has to be willing. So that's how you get the maximum amount used. Hmm. That, that's, I mean, that's like so much in the body. Like, like if you, if you eat and you don't work out, you know, like you're probably going to, you know, you eat like, like you're working out, like you're going to get fat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, guys are like, I'm going to take two weeks off. And they're like, oh, my God, I got so fat when I took two weeks off. Right. Because you ate the same way. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's you know you i'm sure you have friends who've done that um, you're you're talking to a guy who just had uh i think 12 rolls of sushi and uh banana bread for lunch not mm. always but uh i i ate that and then i was like god damn it i'm talking to dr j today why did i do that <laughs> so i'm ashamed uh all right here's another question for you really quickly because then i do want to move to diet um because you know unlike you no wait it is like you very controversial approach to diet nutrition uh what does your warm-up look like when you when you hit the x3 because i know you know like you i believe it's in your book and, and online it says hey look you get a great workout done in 10 minutes so are, are you warming up prior to that 10 minutes is, is the warm-up part of that or i mean how does that work because often you know a warm-up alone might take someone 15 to 20 minutes I do like some one-legged kind of balance squats just to make sure like I don't feel a vertebrae like out of place or something like that. You know, I don't hmm. feel any injuries. But, I mean, I'm talking like 30 seconds of warm-up. So it's also, just and – it, and it hasn't been – hasn't inhibited your, you know, your own muscular growth. It hasn't uh, caused injury. Mm-mm. Interesting. The first, the first few repetitions, remember, we go high reps because the weight's so high. Yeah. I don't want somebody who can't handle that 550-pound that band to be using it and, you know, doing it like four re- you know, reps. It's not going to do much for them. But if they let go and that, that bar catapults towards their chest, they're going to be hurting. Now, if I get hit with 550 pounds, I'm like, ow, you know, and I just do it again. <laughs> you know, so I'm just a tough motherfucker. But, yeah, uh, on, because I can handle that weight, right? Right, right, so, right. right. So, like, I don't I, like. So we we adjusted the repetitions to higher, and also another benefit of that is they really get a lot of diminishing range. So they get. Well, a lot how of, how many reps? Yeah, how many reps are we talking? Minimum fifteen, maximum forty. Slow oh, and wow. controlled. Reps. Oh yeah, much higher repetition because you're using more weight anyway. You know, like mm. I said, we're going heavier. The amount of reps is irrelevant if we're still going heavier than when we're doing like an eight rep, you know, uh, weightlifting set. Like mm-hmm. I go way heavier. Like what could I do with 550 pounds on a bar? Avoid it. That's what I can do. I would never get under that. Like I'm, I'm 44 years old. Like I'm never getting under a bar like that. So, um, do you, uh, do you have any data, um, regarding folks who train on the X3 and then do step back into the traditional weight room? And, you know, is there a measurable difference in terms of like strength gain? And cause what I, you know, what I would be really interested to see, I know there's that Cornell basketball say, I think it's Cornell basketball and wrestling and, and talking about, um, using variable resistance for someone who trains. Yes. That study. Yeah. 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 So, you know, do, do you have any study um, or, or data that kind of supports like, hey, by training on the X3, even doing these really high repetition ranges when you do go back into the weight room, right? Because there are people who, you know, they're power lifters or maybe that's their sport, even though it's not ideal. That's the desired outcome. Yeah. And, and yeah, right. And I acknowledge that there are strength sports and yeah. you. So when you're a power lifter, the bench press is a skill as well it is as it is raw performance. You have to be able to balance the bar. Mm-hmm. So, like some somebody will. There's always some clown that wants to run some scientific, you know, whatever, and they don't know what the fuck is going on. And so, 
I, uh, you know, they'll be like, well, I went back to the bench press and, you know, I could barely control it. Yeah, right. Like hmm. if you're a golfer, you got to keep swinging a golf club. If your sport is the sport of the bench press, you have to keep practicing that movement. Yeah. So like if you're going to be a power lifter and you want to see gains accelerate with X3, you still got to do your lifts. Hmm. Like now maybe not 10 sets of them, but you got to keep in practice that skill. Now, yeah. if, you, if you, if you, what you were doing was like a machine bench press, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say that, but you know, the, but I'm saying like, there. right. Like a hammer strength thing where you just put the plates on it and, you know, kind of swings upward, which is yep. awful, movement, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know anybody hammer strength, but I got, I got some shit to say. So, uh, but anyway, you can go and like way outdo what you would normally do on a hammer strength chest press yeah. because you're not balancing anything. We go right back into the, to the bench press or the squat or the deadlift and a powerlifting move. And you, and you haven't been practicing that skill. Yeah. You're going to be a little rusty for maybe a week or two, then you'll beat your previous numbers because you mm. have more power. Yeah. So you, you've got to train the skill. Right. And like there, there are, there are NFL players that, you know, they see me and they're like, dude, you're in better shape than me. And you're like twice my age. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how come you're not in the NFL? I'm like, cause I got in this shape, like the last couple of years, I'm over 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> So yeah. a lot, so a lot of your own personal uh, strength based gains and you know body composition stuff has actually happened in your forties. So That's this right. isn't just this oh. isn't just this isn't just maintenance of work you've been putting in since you know you were a no. teenager. And, and so this I, is and the ability I, I to build strength. See those before and after pictures. Like I looked like nothing special. Like I, hmm. people, like I said, people could tell I probably lifted. You know, I had a bigger neck, I guess. Uh, and, um, that was it. That was 16% body fat or no, I think it was 19%. Yeah. No, I like, right. And I lost 16 pounds of body fat. Kind of. Yeah. We, we just did actually, I think it just went live today. Now people know how fast I record these. Uh, we just, we just launched an episode all about body fat percentage and body fat. And it was, that was a lot of fun. Mm. So I I definitely do want to get your take on diet. Mm. Um, Actually, you different, know, maybe different may, measures, yeah. different outcomes for sure when it comes to body fat. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, maybe we can, we can start by focusing on uh, the protein needs. Cause I, I know, you know, even in your book, your literature, anything that you put out, you say, Hey, look, the X3 is fantastic, mm-hmm. but you also need to fuel the right way. Um, you know, what, what do people need to be conscious of? Uh, when they start thinking about nutrition to support the work that they're putting in on an apparatus like the X3? Only one thing. It's just quality protein. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, there's four studies that are all referenced in the book that show you can gain muscle mass at a caloric deficit if you have hmm. the right amount of protein. So you can be getting leaner and bigger at the same time. So all of that's a myth. Bulking, cutting, bullshit. Don't need to do, mm-hmm. no need to do it like that. And uh, carbohydrates aren't even a macronutrient anymore. Since yeah, 2005. That's, when yeah, that's interesting to, when you said that. No, no need whatsoever 
in the human body. Mm -hmm. Now, I can apply carbohydrates synchronized with a workout for replenishment of mu muscle glycogen, and you combine that with a stretching protocol after your workout. And maybe if you also put a, a vasodilator in there, like Epimedium, Hydromax, or if you really want to do a ride of Viagra, hmm. um, you push a lot of blood in the muscle. And when you stretch it, you, you can actually create uh, the splitting of muscle cells, hyperplasia. And there's a lot hmm. of research on this. And Professor Jose Antonio, who's like the top protein research guy, he's also That's the top hyperplasia research guy. Uh, by the way, get him on your podcast. If you yeah, man. I just I just wrote his name down. Professor Jose um, Antonio. That sounds really yeah. interesting. The world should listen to him way more than they do. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, so so protein and, and does it does it fall in line with kind of the generally accepted protein recommendations? I know a lot of you know, a lot of folks talk about like the one gram per pound of body weight. Yeah, yeah it does. Like people paid attention to that, but yeah. like I get I see posts all the time, like somebody will be giving somebody else advice. That's where you see the stupidest comments on the internet. Uh, you know, oh, like the some, internet, the internet comments and message boards aren't, aren't uh, scientifically well, in business, uh, cited. In business and anything having to do with coronavirus, anything, <laughs> just yeah, nonsense, a bit of that going on. crap. Yeah, um, yeah it's so stupid, but. Um, yeah, it's like you know, people still say, well, you got to eat your calories if you're going to put on mass. No, you got to eat your calories if you're going to put on fat. Hmm. So, yeah, keep eating the carbs if you just want to store as fat. Why is it that carbohydrates occur in nature only before the cold season? Why is that? Why do we ship vegetables all over the world? Why? Is that true? They only, they only grow before the cold season? Some my my, my, yeah. agri, my, ag, my agriculture knowledge is pitiful. So people are going to write me. Like, you, you don't know about how bananas grow. You idiot. I mean, like you're not going to get you're not going to get grains anytime mm. other than like harvest season is always in the fall, right? So yeah. you only have like a couple weeks or a couple months. You know. Also, we genetically engineer fruits and vegetables to last longer now. Yeah, that's true. But before they were, you know, when like let's say you and I were in a tribe. And we knew where the peach tree was. We would go and gorge ourselves on peaches and get fat for the winter. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like a bear gives itself type 2 diabetes every year. It uses type 2 diabetes to get as fat as possible so it can sleep the whole winter. Because you can yeah. live off your own body fat. Like you can go you right. can fast for months, right? We, all, we know that even humans can do that. Yeah. Uh, you can live off the body fat. You got to have a high level. You better be a fat motherfucker first before you try and go the winter without food. Right. right? So, <laughs> but you can. It's been done before. Like we already know the answer to this question. It's not, it's yeah. not a theory. So, you 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 can do that, and then also the more adipose tissue you have, you can protect yourself from the cold. Mm -hmm. Like lean people die in extreme cold, whereas yeah. the people with more adipose tissue are more likely to survive. Uh, yeah. So, but but that's why carbohydrates show up when they show up because they're there to make you fat. And if you hmm. don't want to be fat, don't eat them. Yeah. With the exception of like. The hyperplasia protocol that I talked about. Also, if you're like a distance runner, like Zach Bitters just broke the 100, 100 mile run record. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ran 100 miles. 
I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, these ultra oh, yeah, yeah. guys. He broke the world record. He's a carnivore. He doesn't eat carbohydrates unless he's in the process of a run. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. and, and since you brought it up, uh, you, you now actually you said that you do use carbs as part of that protocol. Yeah. Um, well, and I, maybe I should assume but that is correct. Okay, but mm-hmm. do you you um, stick to a carnivore diet, correct? That's right. How how long have you been doing that? Well, pure strict, four years. Four years. Yeah. And are you? And are, are you? And I, I know you get asked this all the time, but are, are you tracking? Um, you know what I mean? Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking? Am I for? doing blood work? Yeah. Are you doing blood work? Are you are you tracking things over time? Yeah. My cholesterol is a little high, but mm. we know now that cholesterol doesn't matter. The people with a higher LDL, low density lipoprotein, live mm. longest. Really? Low density lipoprotein was called bad cholesterol up until yeah. like a couple years ago. So all the research that supported taking statin drugs, it's all been disproven. Hmm. So when you're taking statin drugs, oh God, I have this ex-girlfriend who was so mad at me when I said this. And she's like, well, but my family has died of, and I'm like, okay, like irrelevant. They probably yeah. died of a lot of things. Not that though. Because that is is associated with longer life, not shorter life. So I don't huh. care if my cholesterol goes up. I'll have to read up on that. Yeah, but I, I agree. Often, um, you know, I, I could not be less of a, a qualified medical opinion. But so often, right, those things go hand in hand with so many other complications or so many other also, chronic diseases. How do you feel when you eat like two pounds of steak and, you know, 10 scrambled eggs? Like you've been fired out of a cannon. You feel great. Do you really? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Yeah. See, I, now look, I I love I love eggs. Uh, I like steak. I'm a I'm a cheeseburger man more than anything. I oh, actually yeah. eat really oh, healthy. I don't know I don't know why on this this particular podcast I'm acting like I eat terrible all the time. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, you know I do enjoy eating vegetables. I feel like I feel better when I do. But so I, I'm so interested in in the fact that you've you've done the carnivore diet for so long. To your point, you feel shot out of a cannon. And after four years, um, you know, your, your numbers, it sounds like there's nothing to be concerned about. Nothing. Now, is, would, is the carnivore diet, is that something that, you know, is it's for the right type of person, it makes sense? Or is this something that more broadly, and I don't mean to paint you in the corner, we're going to start giving nutrition advice, but is this something that like no, the human body that. more broadly, um, you know, is, is equipped to deal with like, it, like what does the research say absolutely like hmm. i i really don't care for it when somebody says are you on a keto diet because there's really no such thing as a keto diet in hmm. fact the process of ketogenesis begins with the absence of first carbohydrates but more strongly the absence of any insulin whatsoever you get an you get an insulin event from drinking water, so like, like even like like you want you want the highest form of of ketosis, dry fast, no water, oh, wow. no food, and your body will rip through body fat. By the way, I'm doing that today. I haven't had water since uh, last night. 
Really? How, so how long are you doing that for? Is that like that 18 hour window? Is it shorter when it's dry? No, is I it mean, longer, God forbid? Do, like it, when, it depends when I'm going to do my, uh, there's one supplement I take called Fortigen, which is a, it's actually vegan friendly because it's made out of bacteria. But uh, yeah, because that's not an animal, right? Like bacteria is just not. So, uh, so it's vegan friendly and if people like, I, I said, it's, it's vegan friendly and people like insulted me, like the carnivores were like, what the hell would you make a product for vegans? You know, it's just like, dude, it's not a contest. I actually want to yeah. help these people. Like right, what if they right. can actually be healthy with their, you know, ineffective, uh, uh eating disorder. <laughs> I, I see veganism just like anorexia and bulimia. Anorexics and bulimics think they're healthy too, by the way. <laughs> Uh, well, so I, I will say I will say this, and it, it, I did it because my well, I, I've told the story uh, in an earlier episode, but my dad was sick. He had all sorts of chronic health issues, and mm-hmm. you know, in an attempt to get him to make a change that hopefully I thought would help, I did try to go on a, a vegan diet. And I, I will say, when I did that, I actually was surprised that I felt really good, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, I, so I'm I'm open to it. I'm also open to the the concept that a carnivore diet could make sense as well because like what I do generally is I eat meat, I try to eat a lot of vegetables and I, I eat, you know, grains, right? And I try and eat better carbs and worse and I stay away from packaged food. So I'm open to all of it, right? And so that's why I'm interested. What you're doing is going to get you a large percentage of the way. The biggest problem we have is food that comes from like a chemical factory. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, all the additives, preservatives. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd prefer somebody eat sugar than drink a Diet Coke. Yeah. You know, because the sucralose is like gross fungus in your intestines. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like I, I, I like there, there's people who like I'll, I've actually done this. I took a Diet Coke out of a woman's hand and gave her like a lecture and I, and I dropped it right in the trash and she started crying and said, uh, thank you so much. Like I really, I really convinced her. But, you know, I'm, like, I'm doing this because I care. Like you look like, yeah. like she, she was like a mom, like she's watching her kids. And, you know, I talk about like all the things that the sucralose is going to do to you. And I'm like, just don't go backwards. Like yeah. no more sucralose for you. Right. 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 Drink water. Like you like drinking water. And she's like, I do. But you know, it's great. Like, it just pisses me off, like, how toxic this crap is. And, you know, meanwhile, instead of talking about this, we're talking about, like, a vaccine. Yeah. Where we could actually just fix this problem by being leaner and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the way everything is. It's like we want to slap a Band-Aid on everything. And I, I'm Everybody not speaking about COVID. Way. Yeah, yeah. It's like an ounce of prevention is, you know, whatever that saying is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I'm I'm with you there. So man, this has been really interesting. So I know you're also the fasting. If we don't mind before we wrap up, uh what is the purpose of doing the dry fast? Is that just something that you do periodically? Um is it something that you do when you're preparing for a specific event or what's what's the thought behind doing that for you? It's it's kind of a new experiment. And okay, here we go. One, I like it. One of the hard one of the hard things to explain is fasting like yeah i can say you need to give your intestines a rest they're not supposed to be working at all times hmm. and while people can hear that they're like well do we really know that no we really don't now we see very positive effects from giving them a rest mm-hmm. but you know 
that's not good enough for most people. I need to look always where it's like it's like the if you look at the variable resistance research which is like chapter two in the book if you just read that one chapter you will realize that x3 is the you know it's the holy grail it's the excalibur it's everything everybody's been looking for and just didn't know could ever exist And it's because all of the studies in the category are like variable resistance is fucking awesome. And, and there's even one study in there that says the higher amount of variance, the more the muscular gain. Mm-hmm. It's like I, it's like I paid somebody to write it, except it was written before I even started this thing. Yeah. Like it was it's awesome. Like if people bothered to read that, which is why I like my haters, I don't think they can actually read. <laughs> um, most of the messages I get a lot of misspellings like they're definitely the bodybuilding.com people. They're dumb. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, just just insane lack of intelligence. Uh, <laughs> and they don't, they, don't, they don't read. I mean, why is it that the maximum, the most, the most amount of fitness data, fitness content is on Instagram and on YouTube? Pictures and video. See where yeah. I'm going with this? Yeah, I that's a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, and I, I think what, what's tough too is it's uh, it, it's difficult to parse through what's accurate because so much of the research is conflicting uh as an or example biased. or yeah, biased right research is paid for by Kraft and nabisco and why yeah. because Kraft and nabisco know the vegans don't eat kale they eat cookies and cake <laughs> right well okay so and then that very well maybe that very well may be fair um Right. But like I talked to you, very convincing. And, and clearly, I think uh, something that I do enjoy about your work is like you you wear your body of work around. You know what I mean? Like you can you represent um, what you've built and you can see like, look, like the, the person who created this has seen tremendous results. Um, but then you can talk to someone else who is vegan and they can roll out 10 studies that are equally as convincing. So I've given up on trying to decide who's right. Um, but what I'm really interested in is like, it works for you. I'm interested in like why it works for you. Um, you know, and then kind of letting people to your point, like if they're willing to put in the work and read, make hopefully an educated decision for themselves. Uh, cause I've done 52 of these podcasts now and I'm still like, what the hell do I even think now that I've talked to so many people? Um, I mean, you probably just have more information that's confusing that. Yeah. I think there's a bit of that too. I think there's a bit of that too. Um, well, man, th- this has been awesome. Uh, I- I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time. And I think, yeah. uh, like I said, like one, I- I'm going to, I want to try the X3. I'm going to see if I can borrow it from my neighbor for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even pick one up for myself. But uh, yeah, I just, I-, I just enjoyed the book. Uh, and-, and almost more than anything, just making me pause and think about, okay, wait, all the stuff I've been doing in the gym, like I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about trying to optimize my time. And I'm like, man, how, how much of what I'm doing is, is inefficient, you know, how, and to your point, like, am I doing way more sets than needed if I took a different apo- approach, focused you on variables? Question, the answer is yes. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. why people do multiple sets with weights is because the stimulus is just bad. Hmm. Like in that, that kind of shows you, like, you don't need multiple sets of any other stimulus in nature with the exception of weights. So maybe we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, man, I, I loved it. So hey, th- thank you. Uh, oh, for people who want to follow along, 
Uh, wh- where can I direct them? I know, I know you have a number of sites and, and you're on Instagram. Where, where's right, the best right. place? So I created a landing page uh, also, so you don't have to learn how to spell my last name. It's just drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. Perfect. Perfect. And that's the best place. And then uh, I'm going to link to some of the other sites. Does Dr. J have a, that, that? Is that where people can find some of the research who do want to do some of the reading as well? Yeah. Well, they can find the book there. They can oh, find the page where I, I, I put little like little clips, little captions uh, about health or carbohydrates or, you know, like other fake news that I just blow up. And then I put... <laughs> I put the I put the you know the APA academic references there so they can yeah. they can look up the study if they want to awesome. uh, and yeah so, and some people do and you know they usually regular people don't know how to read a study anyway so yeah. it's like okay well they'll, they'll they'll say your conclusion of this is wrong and I'm like it's a direct quote mm-hmm. it's not wrong you just don't know how to read it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I probably, uh, I fall in the category of knuckleheads who wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of a lot of that stuff anyways. So, uh, well, man, this, 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 the, problem, the problem with it is like a lot of jargon yep. and abbreviations. So like, right. if you bother to look all that stuff up, you get it. Like all yeah. the statistical tests are kind of hard. Like, you know, when you go to the average person and say, give me the difference between a Spearman row test and an analysis of variance, they won't know mm-hmm. the answer. So yeah. when calculating the p-value, very and this is like I'm kind of like I, I do peer review for uh, some other medical journals, mm-hmm. and uh, like I'll be able to figure out if they use the wrong statistical test hmm. based on what they're trying to do. That's a mistake that researchers make. Right. So I know if if research the average person, yeah, researchers <laughs> making that mistake, like the average person is not gonna know that that's going on. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'll give, I'll give myself a little bit of slack there. Uh, well, Dr. J man, thank you. This, this was awesome. And uh, we'll have to have you back in the future. Awesome. And mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> okay. Um, Dr. J. Dr. J. Dr. J. I wish we did have the live video because your outfit right now is pretty stellar. <laughs> Um, would you would you care to elaborate? Would you like me to? You can. It's, you brought it up. So we were getting ready to film this. It's been a long day, admittedly. Yeah. You're tired. It's You're been wa- a long, long weekend because you were away and I was alone with the children. I know. I, I, I know. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And I appreciate it very much. Uh, so, yeah, you're a little spent. And, um, you know, usually you walk around the house dressed to the nines but prior to recording this, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up appearances here for people listening. They're like, mm-hmm. oh man, that sounds really nice. <laughs> and they're like, oh, she's gross. Let's see. Why is she doing that? Uh, white, very fluffy slippers. Not as fluffy as they used to be. They've seen some better days. Yeah. Um, are you wearing sweats? What's the legging situation? Yeah, I'm wearing sweats. They're like heathered gray sweats. <laughs> heathered gray sweats. Yeah, which, you know, by itself, I, you know, I'm still very into Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the ensemble up top, <laughs> which I found to be extremely interesting. <laughs> Offensive? No, 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 no. Uh, my t-shirt 
number one, mm-hmm. which that's not out of the ordinary because why have separate clothes when you could just wear all of mine? <laughs> number two, robe on top. Again, you're relaxing today. Not a problem. Still no issue there, really. Uh, you then, inside the house, <laughs> threw a flannel jacket on top of all of that. <laughs> it's like 70 degrees in our house flannel robe fluffy slipper. you look like a crazed person just walking the streets of new york city after dark at least i wasn't wearing a beanie no beanie although that might have upped the comfort game actually yeah, i needed to be cozy today um but yeah oh um, yeah i know you did you had a long weekend but this was a long episode as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep these takeaways brief because there was a lot in there. And I, I would do it a disservice if I went back and tried to recap everything. Uh, he, as expected. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, he had funny. some very strong opinions, which I really appreciate. <laughs> did he? Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> well, you know, here, here's what I like. I like someone who well, I'll just I'll, this is kind of one of the things I was going to write down, but like he marches to the beat of his own drum. And I don't mean that just in se- in the sense of like his personality. I love that no matter what it seems he's doing. So whether it's, uh, you know, the building of the X three or his diet, which, uh, you know, is, is like a very much, um, a controversial topic in itself. The idea like is a carnivore diet sustainable? Is it healthy? All of that aside, w- one of the biggest things I took away from talking to him was how valuable it can be to look at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Just even thinking about weight training, like we've been doing the same thing forever, right? Yeah. And it's changed and people make improvements and the people who are really in the know are doing some cool, innovative stuff. Um, but, you know, just like how many pieces of just a simple lift has he said, hey, we need to look at this differently. Mm-hmm. We need to think about tension throughout the exercise differently. We need to think about duration differently. We need to think about, reco- you know, and I was just like, damn, there's some r- really fantastic points there. Yeah. And I was completely sincere in, in when I said, like, the next time I went in to work out after, you know, reading his book, I was like, man, is, it, is this the best way for me to be doing this? It's just how I've always done it. Questioning everything. Questioning everything. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that alone, that you know, that's not a, he, anything he said specifically, but that's one of the things I walked away from. I was like, wow, that's, uh, you know, kind of looking at it with an inventor's mind, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Totally. No feedback there. <laughs> No, I agree. I agree with everything you said. There's nothing I could add to or change in that. That was perfect. Good job. Wow. Boy, this is what marriage could always be. Sign me up. Okay. Should I roll into my next takeaway or should I should I kick it to you? Because you uh, did have a good one. Um, no, you take this one. Variable resistance. I'll go last. Okay, you go last. That that's one of the biggest <laughs> things that I took. Um just the fact that you are weaker and stronger at different points in your range of motion, right? He, we use the bench press example, your weakest when it's on your chest, strongest right before you get to lockout. Uh-huh. It's just, you know, it, that's one of those things that hit home. It's like, hey, if, if you're training with static weight, you're only as strong as your weakest position, which means you're, you're leaving, you know, like not to say gains on the table, but I can't think of a better <laughs> way to explain it. You know, you're missing out on an opportunity to get stronger in those other ranges of motion as well. Um, And obviously that's what the X3 does. You know, this isn't like an X3 promo, but our neighbor, I was not making that up, swears by it. No, I know he does. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Hard to argue with. It's life-changing for him. Dr. J is pretty ripped up too. He is really ripped up. Yeah. He's huge. 
Yeah. Yep. Absolutely jacked. Yeah. So it's hard to fake that. So that's the other thing too. It's like, <laughs> you, you can't, like you can't fake the results. Now, look, I, I don't know what he's doing. He 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 was talking about his his diet and he's eating uh, way more meat than you are. That's what he's way, doing. Way he's eating way more meat. I know. I'm not getting enough protein. That I do know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, that's not your fault. Um, but you know what I mean. It's uh, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak. Now, what I still need to understand is like, okay, you know, for me as now just a very busy adult and I, I still have a lot of athletic goals, but like time is of the essence and it is like at a premium. Mm -hmm. So the thought that I could really work out for a very short amount of time, if all I cared about was looking awesome, I would, I would 100% try this. Yeah, totally. Like I have some other things that I'm working on, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if your goal is just like to walk around looking awesome, <laughs> are you kidding me why would you not give this a shot yeah definitely Without especially as like a busy parent or professional mm -hmm. if you can just fit it in really quickly and get amazing results why not yeah and What's we've seen it in person the amazing results with very little time but not very little time but like way more way less time than we're putting in yeah you know yeah what would be the most important result for you on me or for, on you on you oh both oh okay leave the door wide open um is it, like a, is it buns for both? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, waist for me. Oh. And arms for you. <laughs> ah, but also so, chest. Wow. So chest. I feel like if you have big arms and you don't have a good chest, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. What are you even doing? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think, I didn't, I guess waist. Maybe I could have, if I really like dug down and got past just like whatever I'm into. What, yeah. What you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but arms. For you? Big arms gal. For you, not for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, that, much, that much I picked What up. did you okay. think? Of? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Ankles. <laughs> it's all about the ankles. Give me those sweet, tight ankles. Uh, so variable resistance, and I, I kind of spoke to this already. Range of motion goes hand in hand with that. But I think just after listening to this, I would hope a lot of people the next time they go in, it, it, they at least think about it a bit more. And I'm going to uh -huh. think about the duration of my reps more because so often it's like, oh, man, I it's 10 is written down on the sheet. I'm going to knock out 10 reps. And that's when people start using momentum. They start cheating the rep and it's like, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. What am I actually trying to achieve here? If it's to get stronger or to get a greater response um, from the exercise, then it's like, you got to kind of shift to what your focus is of doing it successfully. Yeah, for sure. Whew, I'm fired up. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Cause I was dragging all day today. Yeah, well, you just came off of a boys weekend where you didn't have babies screaming at 1 a.m. for nope. two hours. <laughs> nope. So you're full of energy. <sighs> I know. And luckily for me, you don't resent me at all for it. Nope. I've only <laughs> brought it up seven times since we started this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. We'll get you back. We'll get you out there for a, a ladies we, weekend. Should we hit point number three? Oh, yeah. Sorry. The podcast, please. <laughs> um, You can be getting leaner and bigger at the same time, which is... I feel something that you are good at. Actually, I think I'm good at it too, but mm -hmm. a lot of people have the misconception that it's one or the other. Yes. And here's what's interesting. And of course I can't like bring back up a past guest immediately to have them be like, Oh, can you offer your perspective on this? Uh, but you know, when, when talking to Dr. Harrison, one of the things he said is, Hey, if we're really going to work on like fat loss as a priority, he's like, there is going to be a sacrifice that takes place. Um, 
so what Dr. J was saying kind of flies in the face of that a little bit. Now, the thing, the thing that's kind of hard for me to conceptualize is because like, if you do things gradually, and I think this is kind of what you and I see, like if you're consistent with your working out, you can get stronger and burn fat at the same time. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think there's some nuance there. So I don't want to speak for either of them. Uh, but yeah, I did love the fact that he was like, no, he's like, that is not true. He's like, based on the research I've read, based on my own personal results, um, speaking about him. So no, I thought that was really interesting because that's what, what most people want. Right. But I think it's incumbent upon putting in the work, getting the correct amount of nutrition and, uh, he hates cardio. So, you know, know, I'm all on board with that. (laughs) Yeah. He had a lot of hot takes. Oh, he did. Yeah. Um, (laughs) my favorite thing he said though, was when people ask him about mixing it up because they're like a little bored with, you know, the, I guess the routine. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, would you brush your teeth with a toilet brush? <laughs> no, just do it the right way. You fucking idiot. <laughs> it felt like he was calling me a fucking idiot a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know what? I don't know if I've really been stumped yet. In I know. All the epi- there was a couple of times where you're one time specifically, but there was a couple of times where you're like, uh, uh, I know. I was just like, wow, that <laughs> actually just taken aback. Yeah. And I'm usually pretty on it. Uh, so kudos to him. But now that was hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. But you know what? Like I, I would, I would much rather have someone who has a strong opinion. Yeah. Than someone who's just going to like walk in here with like a middle of the road answer and like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. That could be true too. Like that's my job. I know. I was going to say that's what I do. <laughs> uh, but no, look, I'm, I'm super, I'm super interested. Um, and actually if you listen and you're out there and you, you've tried the X3, let me know. I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, like I said, close friends, uh, use it. I've had great experiences. So I don't know. I'm interested mm-hmm. and to me. Just the thought of working out. Like I actually love working out. Yeah. So part of me is like, Ooh, do I really want to give up that time that I <laughs> you, built in you for need myself? That time. To, you need it. Well, I know, but I'm also like, man, like there's a couple other things I'm trying to get done. It would be really nice to have an extra 45 minutes Yeah. and look fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that was a good one. You talk about giving an alternative perspective. This was that. Uh, and someday we're going to have to dive more into the carnivore diet because I'm still just trying to wrap my head around that. So he eats no greens? Yeah. Just meat? Just meat. Or like eggs too. He can have eggs? Oh, man. I think so. I think so. Um, what about I don't cheese? Want to put words in his mouth. I don't know if cheese... I don't know if he does cheese. I, I think carnivore is strictly meat. But like, Although I think he did say he puts cheese on his burgers or something. Yeah, because cheese comes from cows and goats, right? Okay. That might be true. No, that is true. Sorry. No, that, that's true, but that <laughs> might, it might be included is what you mean in the kind of word I have. Uh, no, Ken, that is actually a <laughs> yeah, fact. that's absolutely true. That is 100% where cheese comes from. Uh, okay, you might be right about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I should know more about that before I speak to it. But anyways, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a very small, I'm going to call it a movement um, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's people that subscribe to it. Like he said, he's been doing, I think like really strictly for four years, but there's even some folks who've done it for decades. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you talk like about a hot button issue and yeah. some people, I mean, you can imagine there's a whole group of people right now that are screaming, hmm. being like, you idiot, <laughs> what are you talking about? But I mean, look, he, he looks great. And, uh, so I don't know. Working for him. Yeah. And they'll, they'll figure it out someday. I'm sure. Ah, okay. This is a long one. Yeah. Anything else? Any parting shots, words of wisdom that you would like to leave listeners with? Oh, 
I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. I, I don't have anything witty. I know. I feel for you. All right, folks. Well, I will leave you with this. If you're still listening, thank you. As always, we really appreciate it. We hope you're getting as much out of the show as we are. Uh, if you don't mind, let us know what you think. Go to KenGunter.com. That's the best way to reach out to us. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week. <laughs> see you next week. Have a good one. <laughs> Is that funny? No. <laughs>